This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work. Every leader needs an intentional plan to see transformation take place in their organization. The Kingdom Leadership Workshop exists to help you build that plan. Learn more at www.kingdomatwork.com slash events. Kingdomatwork.com slash events. Out here in Rancho Mirage, California, courtesy of FCCI and Convene. Check it out online. Check them out online, FCCI.org and ConveneNow.com. That's right. We're on location at the 2018 International Summit, a gathering of Christ followers who desire to live out their faith in their work while pursuing excellence. Today in the second half of the show, we're talking with John O'Leary. We got to hear John speak last night, and I really wanted you guys to hear just a little bit of his story. John O'Leary, welcome to I Work For Him. Hey, Jim. Uh, yes, we do, and I'm grateful to be on your show. So talk about, I mean, it's, it's amazing. We have just a little bit of time to go as we're trying to ca- capture you as you're running down the hallways. <laughs> talk to us about how you came to be a Christ follower. Well, gosh, the first thing is that the, <clears throat> and f- good fortune is being born into it in some regards. My mom and dad were believers. Mm-hmm. When I was a little guy, I grew up coloring pictures of Jesus walking on water. And I, I think that faith from a foundational level as a child informs who you become as a man later on in life. As you know from last night, when I was burned in a fire, burned on 100% of my body, my prayer as a child was that I would not only survive that fire, but thrive later on in life. And I had the faith back then that if I got out of the boat, I could walk with him on water. Mm-hmm. The, the beauty of being a child is you, you don't doubt. You just believe. It's, it's so simple. It is so easy. Get out of the boat and walk, man. And I knew my mom came into the emergency room that day. I didn't tell the story last night. But I looked in her eyes and I said, Mama, am I going to die? And uh, she looks back at me and you got to realize, guys, listening, I'm a, I'm a nine-year-old boy. I'm in a hospital bed. I've been burned on 100% of my body. I am dying. I'm in pain. I'm scared. I need hope and reassurance. And I'm looking into my mother's eyes for it. And I asked this question, question am I going to die? And her response was, baby, do you want to die? It's your choice. It's not mine. And I looked back at my mom, kind of shocked, and I said, no, mom, I don't want to die. I want to live. And her response, and this is just, just my mom, she looks back at me and she says, baby, look at me. You take the hand of God, you walk the journey with him, and you fight like you've never fought before. Your father and I will be with you every step along the way, but you've got to fight, honey. You've got to want this thing. I think that gift of allowing our kids or our spouse or our community to own their next step forward is so profound. Um, Ultimately, you can't make anybody do anything. You can't make anybody believe. You can't make anybody work. You can't make anybody love you. You can't make anybody do anything. My mother beautifully led me to this decision point in my life and said, baby, if you want to fight for it, I'll be with you. Christ will be with you, but you got to choose it. Right. I chose it then. I choose it still. So... I mean, let's just give a little bit of the backstory. I mean, you are a typical nine-year-old boy, which I was i was laughing at. You're, like, you're playing with gasoline. You're like, gasoline's cool. I mean, it does really cool things. Especially with the G.I. Joes. Oh, you know, yeah. we, hmm. I did it with my sister's Barbie. I filled my sister's Barbie with gasoline, hung it to a kite, flew it up, and then lit it on fire. That was a little safer That's than what you did. That's that was, bold. It was, it was fun, though. <laughs> um, Do not try this, these things at home. So I'm when disclaimer. the can explodes... <laughs> When That's can, what I'm here for. When the can exploded and you were burned over uh, 100% of your body, uh, this, I mean, it, your whole family, do you have brothers? Yeah, you I have brothers? Yeah, because your brother, you said, drug, drug you out of the Well, garage. we didn't have time to unpack it last night, but one brother who, you know, in short, I'll tell this story because I think it's so beautiful. And for the listeners right now wondering, well, what can I really do in my life? Well, maybe you can be like my brother Jim for someone else. Jim was not an incredible guy. 
by any stretch of the imagination. He's the oldest of six. He's fairly self-centered. He's 17, typical teenager. Had never done anything really profound for me or anybody else in his life, hmm. candidly. I get burned terribly. I don't know what to do when I'm in the garage surrounded by flames. So I ran through the flames back into my mom and dad's house, into the front hall, stood on top of a rug, begging and pleading for, for help, looking for a savior. Flames are leaping off of me three feet in every direction. <clears throat> I see my brother Jim coming toward me. He's 17, I'm nine. <clears throat> As he comes toward me, Jim, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, uh, anybody else. You know, I'm like, not, not <laughs> this guy, man. I mean, if I need a firefighter or a parent. I need somebody. And yet this was his moment. Right? This is his decision point to change. And he does. He picks up a rug. He beats down the flames. It takes him three minutes. Wow. Each time he swings, he burns himself. But that, on that morning and every subsequent day since, it wasn't about him. And that, that's a pretty cool thing in your own walk to recognize it's actually not about you guys. He beat me for three minutes, carries me outside, saves my life, changes my life, becomes my hero. 1987, the lifesaver of the year for the state of Missouri was not a firefighter or a police officer or a general, but a 17-year-old uh, overwhelmed boy who changed, uh, accepted God's will in his life, and has never looked back. Hmm. Did your parents' house burn yeah. from all this? Oh, man. I, I mean, as those of you who have been through this before, you recognize fire does a lot of damage, but as much damage is caused by flooding, water from hoses, yes. or smoke. So although only the garage and the, and the kitchen were burned in the traditional sense, the entire house was devastated, and this is where the, the, the body shows up again. Uh, we had a, a family in our church that had five kids, four beds. They moved out of their home. I'll get emotional. <laughs> mm. But they moved out of their home so my mom and dad and my five siblings can move into their home while I'm in hospital. They moved into a Howard Johnson's with one bedroom for four months while my mom and dad came together together. Uh, to have some normalcy while I'm in the hospital for five months. It took wow. them about four months to, to redo our house. And of the four months, my mom and dad lived as a family mm-hmm. in this one house with four or five bedrooms and uh, their kids all around them. So it, it, the whole story is example after example of people doing the right thing and revealing that God is alive and well. Hmm. Not just 2,000 years ago, you know, I wish I'd met him at the well. That's a bunch of, yeah, then it's true, but it's alive and well today. Yes. And then our calling is to be that example, to offer up our home, to move into the Howard Johnson so someone else can have, uh, to have what, what we don't really need at the end of the day. Hmm. That's powerful. And, and your story is, it's highlighted. I imagine that you, people can hear a lot of your story on John O'LearyInspires.com, on your website. Can yeah. they capture some of that on there? Oh, sure. You know what I mean? So that's our website, uh, JohnO'LearyInspires.com. My whole story, if you really listen closely, is not about me. It's about that community, that those that family that I never talk about that moved out of their home. It's about what my brother did or my parents. You heard my story of the dad last night. Ooh, yeah, The announcers, the nurses, the custodians, the men and women who show up and in doing so change someone else's life. And that, that's the gift of my story, that it's not an ego dump. Far from it. I'm a very broken example of uh, damaged goods. But if God can use this story, man, think about what he can do in yours. Oh, you, t- you touched the audience last night. So let's, let's just step into that just for a second. So you live in St. Louis. You were a St. Louis Cardinals fan. I mean, you know, and really and you can't be anything but when you live in St. That's Louis. Right. <laughs> the, the, but for God to have intricately woven the St. Louis Cardinals into your story, Right. It's pretty powerful. Why don't you tell a little bit of that? 
you know, it's it's your your episodes are eleven minute segments, and this is going to take about five of those eleven minute seg- segments. I'll fully <laughs> share the story, but in short, it is this: I'm laying in the hospital bed dying. The day after I get burned, it's a Sunday morning, and I'm a Cardinal fan, like you mentioned. Well, the way we used to watch baseball was on the radio. Yes, so did I. I grew the, up listening to the Twins the same way. The power of radio, man. So that year, by the way, we played you in the World Series. We'll talk about that <laughs> offline. I don't remember what happened. Oh, I remember what happened. I think happened. we have oh, a Homer yeah. Hanky. I think you cheated. Oh. you cheated with those darn Homer Hankies. That's right. That's right. But uh, Jack Buck was the announcer. He came into my room the day after I'm burned. I can't see him because my eyes are swollen shut. I can't speak back to him because my lungs are so badly burned. I'm tied down, and I hear that voice. And uh, you know, I'm looking at you right now, and I, I still remember distinctly how I felt and how it moved me when I heard Jack Buck's voice that day in my room. And he said to me very firmly and assertively, Kid, wake up. You are going to live. You are going to survive. Keep fighting. John O'Leary Day at the ballpark will make it all worthwhile. When he left and you heard the story last night, he was told that I was going to die. Like there is no reason for hope with 100% burn. And in spite of that, Jack Buck went home, asked the question, what more can I do? And then he comes back the following day and the following day and the following day for five months. A month and a half after coming home, he picks me up at a Lincoln Town car. We have John O'Leary Day at the ballpark. Through a sequence of events, he teaches me how to ride again, teaches me how to live again, how to achieve, if you will, again, how to love myself again. And uh, when I graduate university, he shows up with a package and a note. The note read, kid, this means a lot to me. Hope it means a lot to you, too. And when I open up the package, Jim, it was the uh, the crystal baseball that he had received when he went into the Hall of Fame. It's an heirloom. It's priceless. There's only one like it in the entire world. Mm-hmm. And he gave this gift not to his son, Joe, who's broadcasting the game of the week this this week in the Super Bowl. Like, Joe's a celebrity. Joe deserves that ball. He didn't give it to who deserved it. He gave it to this kid who could do very little with it, except awkwardly look up and say thank you. And I think it represents to me the power of grace. I know it's like, oh, there's a little bit of a stretch there, O'Leary. I don't think so. Mm-mm. We're so undeserving of this, and there are other people that we think deserve it more, and yet here we are, broken and damaged goods, walking around, saved and redeemed and, and grateful for it. So, uh, I have a crystal baseball in my house. I have a son named Jack. I have an awesome life. It, it's not perfect, but, man, it's good. And I'm grateful to God, and I'm grateful to the people that he used to guide me to where I am today. So even in the most incredibly difficult circumstances, I mean, your your story makes Job's look slight. <laughs> I mean, Job's story actually looks somewhat oh, better. Okay? I mean, uh, you, I, mean you, I mean, it's similar at least. It's similar at least. The difference is he <clears throat> lost everything. He did lose I lost my body and I lost a little bit of my physical health and emotional health for a while, but my mom and dad were with me, my siblings, our community, our faith, our God never left us. He gives, he takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. I I can sing that same song because uh, we've been there. Right. So talk to the people listening because people face adversity all the time. And as Christ followers in a workplace, a lot of people, and that's who we're talking to, a lot of people are like, yeah, but I don't even know how to bring my faith to my office. I don't even know how to do it. Yet you're speaking to corporate audiences and audiences all over the country. Speak to those Christ followers to give them encouragement on why them living out their faith in their work really will make a difference. Right on. Most of us are, are very timid, myself included, by the way, of evangelizing. We don't feel called to be evangelists. We can barely uh, get our kids to come to the dinner table on time and, and say a quick grace. So how do you evangelize in the workplace? That sounds very hard. Well, I'll tell you, it doesn't usually begin by saying, have, have you found Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's generally not the lead question. I'm not yeah. saying that doesn't come along at some point. 
my encouragement is to give them a reason for the for the joy in your life to to live and lead and smirk and smile and love in such a way that they eventually pull you aside quietly and say why are you so joy filled don't you see what's going on around what what is wrong with you and then you can explain exactly what is right with you and if they want to learn more you're there and you want to take them there but i I don't think it begins with us uh leading with Jesus, I think it begins with us following up with that and saying, this is the reason for joy. And I, I, for me, and I recognize uh, others can lead and evangelize differently, but I want them first to see the model in my life and then for me to point to why, where it comes from in the, in the first place. So God has used your story to touch the lives of thousands and thousands of people all over the globe, hasn't he? <laughs> I mean, does any, do any of us feel like worthy of that? No, I, like, I'm not saying you feel worthy. I'm just saying, but it isn't it cool that God can so God we, use your story. My, the first time I shared my story was 13 years ago. It was to a group of three Girl Scouts. Mm. And uh, I didn't feel worthy of it then. Now we've spoken to audiences of more than 25,000. I still don't feel worthy of this, but I recognize God is using this, and I'm Amen. grateful. John O'Leary, thank you for being on I Work For Him today. Martha and Jim, thank you. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.